Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for another podcast here, where we talk to industry leaders and influencers and innovators in the space of Kubernetes and cloud native. I'm Twain Taylor, editor at Amazic. And uh, I have with me today, Jake Warner, who is the CEO and founder at Cycle.io. Uh, Jake, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. And thanks for having me on the on, on the podcast. Uh, really excited to dive in. All right, all right. Yeah, so, you know, I saw, uh, I got connected with uh, you a couple of years back, I think, when you just were starting Cycle, and I saw a demo of the product, and I was really blown away at just how uh, easy it makes things. And, you know, I'm really excited to share that with the audience today as well. Uh, so as we get started, Jake, I, I'd like to uh, kind of, Get us started with getting to know you a bit about just your background leading up to Cycle, uh, what you've been up to, and uh, just uh, how you even came up with to the point of starting Cycle. Yeah, of course. So uh, I've been uh, I've been dealing with infrastructure, managing infrastructure for uh, for let's see, roughly I don't know. Uh, let's see, I could do the quick math. I'd say I'd say probably about fifteen or sixteen years now, and uh, you know it all started with um, back when I was in high school. Uh, all of my fellow classmates were um, all of my fellow classmates were getting their traditional high school jobs, and I didn't want to do that. And so I had started <laughs> building websites for companies uh, back at that time, which led okay. into infrastructure, which led into data center automation, which led into a whole bunch of other things. And then fast forward to uh, 2015, which was when we started building Cycle. Um, so oh, my entire yeah. career has always been infrastructure, um, but with the focus on how do we, how do, uh, regardless of what I've been doing, it has always been, I'm sorry, regardless of where I'm working, it has always been how do I make this simple, right? Because I think that there's a lot of tools out there um, that you know maybe try to do too many things, or you know they maybe allow, let's just say, too much customization. Things like they're just hard to manage, right? And the problem whenever you have a tool that's hard to manage is you end up in a situation that you know you end up just acquiring more technical debt. So so the, so everything in my life has always been, at least career wise, has always been around infrastructure. And how do I make it simple? Um, and so, so that was kind of the premise that started with Cycle. Wow, awesome! I didn't know it's been around for that long. Cycle twenty fifteen. Wow, that's quite a while back. That's awesome. Yeah. So we started. Yeah, we started the company in twenty fifteen, um, but we didn't start bringing on customers until twenty eighteen, right? Because the the problem yeah. with building something like Cycle from scratch, right? Like Cycle's not built on top of Docker. It's not built on top of Kubernetes. Uh, it was built from scratch, right? Uh, so the problem with that, especially when you have a small team and you're trying to do it without VC funding, is it's going to take time, right? You can't just go out and hire 10 developers to accelerate that timeline and things like that. So it takes time. Uh, but yeah, we started building it in 2015. In 2018, we started bringing out our first customers. Um, the product has changed significantly since then. It's gotten a lot better. Um, the companies that are adopting Cycle are much larger, much more technical companies these days. Um, but yeah, we've, we've we've been at it for for quite a while now. Awesome. Are you still bootstrapped? Have you been funded along the way? So uh, the comp so it, it's, the the right answer is it's kind of right in the middle, right? Um, okay. So the Cycle has not brought in any VC funding, um, and that has been a purposeful decision uh, to this point. 
Um, but the company does, uh, the company's funded through revenue. And then we have uh, roughly 30 angels that are invested in our company as well. Um, and so it's kind of neat right. because unlike some of these other companies out there that are, you know, they, they've taken in VC funding and then they're kind of forced into this, this constant hamster wheel you know, situ situation where uh, they're kind of having to skimp on, uh, you know, cut corners on certain uh, efforts and things like that, just for the sake of, you know, meeting a milestone for their next fundraise. Uh, Cycles are able to build the features that our customers are asking for and really spend a lot of time focusing on those, right? And so we've gotten into a position today where roughly two thirds of our expenses are being paid for with revenue. Um, wow. And then uh, angels have helped connect the dots. And it's nice because out of our 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 30 something angels, um, roughly three quarters of them are uh, either current or former founders. So it's nice because the people who have invested in the company have also built companies themselves. Um, so it's nice whenever we have a question or we run into an issue or something, it's really easy to reach out to uh, any of these angels and say, hey, when you were building so-and-so, how did you handle the situation? Um, so it's nice just having all those operators that are involved in, in how we've built this. And it's, it's a pretty unique approach compared to, I think, a lot of other companies in the industry these days. Yeah, really cool. Wow, lots of respect for that, because especially, you know, looking at the headlines now, you know, it's not just the, I mean, it's both the, the big enterprise and it's even the startups that, uh, you know, having cash cash flow issues and having to lay off people. So really hats off uh, to you for just uh, uh, planning it so well that you guys are able to weather even this rough economic downturn right now. That's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, we've always focused on, uh, we actually have some of our investors that joke that we're building the company from a bomb shelter, right? The idea <laughs> is that if, if you, if you, if you build everything in a model where, you know, instead of constantly chasing explosive growth, you change more consistent, stable growth, and you can keep focusing on that, um, that you can be in a position to weather storms a lot more you know, reliably than some of these companies that are growth at all costs, right? Um, and so that's one of the big foundations that Cycles built on. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, you can either build a company that is focused on how do you, you know, how do you grow the fastest? Or how do you build a product that is something that really actually helps and benefits your customers, right? And with Cycle, the clear answer was, we're going to focus on our customers. We're going to focus on solving meaningful problems for them. Um, and just focusing on that, uh, you know, is, 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 is kind of helped guide a number of other decisions that have had to happen in the, in the, in the process. Because again, I guess to, find, to wrap it up, uh, our customers don't care how fast we're growing, right? They care how we're going to be around. That's the only thing mm -hmm. that matters to them. Are we going to be around tomorrow? Yeah. Are we going to be around a month from now or a year from now? That's the only thing mm -hmm. that matters to them. Um, yeah. And that's what we've put all of our focus on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to dig into a little bit of what you're sharing about just uh, your focus on simplicity, uh, just simplifying complex things. Uh, I think that's uh, quite a cool uh, concept much harder to practice though in reality. But I was wondering if you could take us a bit back to some of where that came from, uh, you know, whether it's from some of your early work experiences or life experiences, some of the examples of where uh, you learned, uh, you, you, you grasped this concept or got this value from that, you know, uh, you want to simplify complex things and that that is the uniqueness that you bring. Uh, could you give us some of those examples of, uh, you know, what influenced that? Yeah, I don't know if it was any specific thing. Um, I think it was just, you know, I. it's always easy to take something and make it more complex, 
right? But, you know, uh, making something simple is oftentimes a lot more difficult. And so part of it is just me appreciating the challenge of how do I take a complex machine and break it down to its easiest moving pieces, right? Um, and then I think that's one part of it. The other part of it is that complexity yields much more room for things to go wrong. And, you know, with, with the internet and infrastructure, something's going to go wrong, right? It, it's just the nature of the beast. And so the whole thought here is if I can create a system that has less moving parts, then I've created less places for things to break, right? Um, and so, so I think that's been a part of it. And then the third is just, in, in, within Cycle, we call it becoming superhuman. And it's the idea of, can we help can we help developers and DevOps engineers accomplish things that they couldn't do themselves or they can't tell you how it works, right? Um, and it's, it's a really exciting, uh, you know, it's a really exciting and, and nice feeling uh, when you have, a, you know, and this happens pretty often where you have company or where you have developers or new DevOps engineers that reach out to you and say, hey, so with Cycle, I was able to do X, whatever X is. And like, it's amazing because I couldn't even tell you how without cycle, I couldn't tell you how to do that. I, do, I wouldn't even know where to start. And just kind of giving people that power that, you know, just giving them the ability to make significant changes to their infrastructure and stuff um, without them having to do any of the extra heavy lifting to make that happen. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's the thing that keeps us moving, I guess. It's the thing that, you know, at the end of the day, when you have those kind of comments and messages come in, uh, um, you know, you just get excited about it. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Uh, you know, um, so I want to get into a bit about those things that you mentioned, uh, just the complexity of managing infrastructure and stuff. So, yeah, one of the things that comes to mind over the past few years is just, you know, the rise of containers and Kubernetes, uh, which is kind of, you know, when Cycle itself started, that's when containers came on the scene just a little before that. And, uh, you know, um, and then there's Kubernetes, uh, you know, so, and Kubernetes has become really complex and, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about how, you know, uh, it's just really difficult to manage, especially when it scales. And so people are looking at ways to make it easier to manage. And really that's what Cycle uh, talks to that, those issues. Uh, could you shed some light on that about just the good and the bad side of uh, containerization as it's evolved over the past few years, uh, the good stuff, as well as the hard part about managing it? Yeah, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm super biased. Um, I don't know if I have mm -hmm. much negative things to say about containers, uh, containerization. You know, uh, um, I think that initially, as containerization was being adopted, uh, there was you know some bad practices that were kind of you know that that kind of got adopted. But I think over time, a lot of those bad practices have kind of just been kind of phased out um, as people have continued to get more familiar with the technology and the way of doing things. So I'm not, I don't know if there's necessarily any negative things about, you know, containerization in today's world. Um, you know, the, the, the pros are what I'm a lot more excited about, um, just how much easier it is to ship infrastructure or sorry, ship applications and things. Um, but yeah, the, the, the orchestration side around containerization is the part that I think a lot of people are still overcomplicating. Right. And again, that, thus the entire premise of cycle. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of companies and organizations out there that have been sold on, Hey, you need, you know, you, you need this really complex, really customizable 
orchestration platform you know that does a b and c oh and by the way you know youtube is running on top of it and all these other things right but at the end of the day most of these companies don't need that right and and, and that's where we're having success right we're getting in front of these big companies and we're saying hey so like you bought into kubernetes you spent you know millions of dollars adopting it and you know, setting it up and configuring it and things like that. But has it actually really helped your company? Like, let, let's be real. Has it helped you deliver products faster? Has it helped you reduce the amount of time you're spending maintaining things? Is it reducing downtime? Like, is it allowing you to become more efficient? And more and more of these companies now are saying, no, it hasn't. And then that's, that's been a big shift in the market. Two years ago when we were using, it was like two years ago when we were in, in conversations with companies and if they would hear that we were not, it was like if they learned throughout that conversation that we were not built on top of Kubernetes, that was a disqualifier for Cycle, right? The, you know, the deal would end immediately, the conversation would end immediately and there'd be no deal that came out of it. Um, but fast forward to today, uh, it's, like, it's like that window has finally opened for us. Now we're having companies that are saying, yeah, you know, we 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 bought Kubernetes. It hasn't solved the problems that we needed it to solve, et cetera, et cetera. And we're looking for an alternative. Um, and that's the spot where where um, things are getting really exciting for Cycle because it's, it's you know that window is finally opened to where we can actually um, our story is resonating with a lot more people with 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 far more people than it used to. I guess when you're keeping it keep you know, describing it that way. Uh, wow. That's really cool to know. Uh, interesting to see how things have changed as well, just so quickly, uh, just in over two years. Uh, and, you know, infrastructure keep, keep getting more complex. Those are different types of infrastructures, uh, you know, that people manage uh, in the cloud. And, you know, one of the things that I took a look on your website, the first thing it says is that, you know, infrastructure needs to be standardized. Uh, could you tell, talk to a bit about that uh, as a pain point? What uh, What's the pain point when it comes to infrastructure? How is it not standardized? How can it be standardized? Yeah, so um, there's, uh, you know, anyone in this industry knows that, you know, setting up and installing software, there's so many different variables that come into that, right? Because like, even if you suppose you're at AWS and you say, I want to use Ubuntu version, whatever, right? Um, I don't know what the latest version of Ubuntu is these days, but, you know, I want to use the latest version of Ubuntu. And then you go over to... Um, to, you know, let's say Google Cloud, and you say, hey, I want to use the latest version of Ubuntu as well, right? Um, so even though you've made the same decision in both places, you don't know if it's the exact same image or the exact same kernel. And, you know, getting to that point where you have the exact same everything is, you know, a whole effort in itself. And then once you throw Kubernetes or whatever container orchestration platform you're using on top of that, you just end up where you have you know, all this just different variables across the board and yeah you know you, you have tools like terraform and chef and pop and things like that to try to standardize a lot of those things but the problem with a lot of those tools is you're taking a you're taking a you're, you're taking variations and trying to standardize them later right where with containers you you know you're able to say hey at build time i'm standardizing this and so Cycle aims to do the same thing with the infrastructure layer as well it's why all servers running cycle run cycle os that is almost a container in itself, right? Like it doesn't ever get installed to disk, it runs on RAM, um, but that way um, it's really easy for our customers to say, hey, if you're running at AWS or GCP or a server sitting in your closet, uh, you know the cycle is going to treat everything the exact same way because that's that the VM that you just deployed over into AWS is going to be running the exact same kernel as the server that is sitting in your closet, 
right? Um, and that's one of the big things that we're hearing about companies looking into cycle is, you know, the, these companies are saying like, uh, yeah, you know, there's obviously lots of problems around container orchestration, but there's also fundamental problems of infrastructure management that we haven't solved yet, right? Or, or, or either that they're playing, you know, or that, you know, they're slowing us down. Uh, one of the companies in our pipeline um, right now is a company that has uh, three data centers that they're looking to adopt a cycle. Uh, be, sorry, they have three different data centers that they're looking to adopt cycle to manage. And the biggest problem they have is not containers. Like they're like, Hey, yeah. You know, the fact that cycle is a container orchestration platform, neat. Like, yes, we use containers in our company, but the reason they're looking at cycle is the infrastructure management component of it, right. Um, yeah. To standardize that underlying infrastructure. And so it's neat to be able to provide that single platform that allows most of these companies to go from, Hey, I have infrastructure, you know, going through the entire infrastructure management layer, including IP management, network management, all those different things up into container orchestration. So that way from your raw infrastructure, all the way up to your application that's, you know, been containerized, you have a very standardized approach. Um, and so um, it's neat to be, uh, a, you know, have built a platform that is more than just container orchestration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and I really want to get into quickly just what Cycle is and, you know, uh, get into all of the things that it does. Uh, just before that, I want to ask about this phrase I just saw on your website, which is low ops, uh, you know. So heard of low code, heard of DevOps. Uh, low ops is new. Uh, so who coined the term? What does it mean? Could you kind of break it down for us? Yeah, so we were in a meeting with a company a few months ago, and they would just seen a demo of Cycle, and uh, they're like, they're like, they very similar to the comment that you just made of, hey, you know, I've heard of low code. Uh, Cycle is not a low code platform, but they're like, it is kind of like a low ops platform. You know, like it's taking DevOps and it's still allowing the same capabilities of a traditional DevOps platform, but it's simplifying them. And mm -hmm. and so, like, I was thinking about it, and it's like. You know what? That actually sounds kind of nice. Like, you know, because uh, it is a way of positioning a cycle, you know, uh, within the market, right? Like, you could, yes, mm -hmm. you could still do really technical DevOps things, but our goal is to make them simpler for you, right? And so the low ops approach, uh, you know, the low ops story around that of just simplified DevOps, uh, I think it's a, it's a story that uh, will, it's a story that resonates with our users, but I think we'll continue to resonate with more of the market as more companies hear about who we are. Pretty cool, really neat. Uh, I want to pick your brains a bit more on the positioning part that you just mentioned. You know, so this is one change that you made. Uh, you know, positioning Cycle as a low ops platform. Can you talk to us about kind of the evolution of Cycle's positioning and the things you've learned along the way? Yeah. So when we started Cycle back in in 2015 um, and then launched in 2018, we were a container as a service platform, right? So we owned all the infrastructure and we just sold to individual developers building side projects, right? Mm -hmm. um, very similar to, uh, you know, very similar to, I guess, like kind of like how Heroku kind of got started, yeah. right? Okay. Um, but as time went on, we we started realizing that um the you know that larger companies uh saw much more of a benefit from cycle than individual developers but that's yeah. not the same individual individual, individual developers can't mm -hmm. get a benefit from cycle um mm -hmm. it's just much more meaningful towards companies right so so we pivoted yeah. to selling uh mainly the startups initially and then over the years that's just continued uh, to get into larger and larger deals 
um, to where, you know, now we're interacting with larger companies. Um, and so, so that's been the biggest focus It's kind of a bottom-up sales strategy with developers to now it's more of a top-down sales strategy with larger companies. And I wouldn't say that it's like a full-on enterprise play, right? Because there's a lot of small, medium, and you know, sorry, there's a lot of small businesses, medium businesses, and then uh, you know, startups that are still benefiting from cycle. So it's it's not necessarily a full-on enterprise play, um, but the fact that there's a realization that larger companies also had that benefit from cycle that startups were seeing was really meaningful to us. All right, all right, very cool. Wow. Uh, so tell us about Cycle. So what what is Cycle? So you said Cycle is a container orchestration platform. You're positioning it as a low ops platform, uh, but kind of get get into a little bit more detail about what it actually does. Yeah. So yeah. So Cycle is a low ops uh, platform for infrastructure management and container orchestration, right? So there's there's kind of the two sides of that. And the new site uh, that we, we launched recently dives into both of those different sides. But in a nutshell, the whole goal is companies come to Cycle, they bring their own infrastructure. Cycle connects to their infrastructure, manages it, manages all the container orchestration on it, um, and just makes the entire process very, you know, very simple compared to most of the other products. One of the biggest benefits of Cycle, though, is we take a SaaS approach to everything. And what this means is, even though it's your infrastructure, we are automatically pushing updates to it automatically, right? So where the average version of Kubernetes today is roughly 17 months out of date, there's not a single server connected to the cycle that's more than two weeks out of date right now. And, and that's because we usually push updates every two to three weeks. Um, and so it's nice because all of our customers, they own their infrastructure, they own their data, they own their networks, but they're constantly getting those updates that will make their, you know, the underlying infrastructure more secure. You know, they'll be getting new features and things like that. Um, so we kind of look at it as the best of both worlds uh, mentality. Um and uh, it allows companies to spend more time writing code and building stuff and less time maintaining infrastructure and you know orchestration software and you know all these other kind of mundane things that have to happen as part of that devops process mm -hmm. cool so infrastructure management yeah so the next thing that comes to my mind is just what kinds of infrastructure does it manage and is there any kind of infrastructure that it doesn't manage yeah, so you know you can run cycle with virtual machines. You can run cycle with bare metal. You can run cycle with both. You can you can mix. You can do a hybrid setup where you're using a little bit of both. Uh, the only thing that cycle does not you know support today is ARM. Uh, we, we you can't run cycle on any ARM architecture yet. Um, we haven't had much of a request from customers for that yet. Um, I'm guessing at some point we'll add that functionality, but uh, today that is not. Uh, that uh, that is not supported. Um, that being said, um, back in November, we launched our infrastructure abstraction layer, which allows companies to uh, run Cycle on their own infrastructure, regardless of where that is. Uh, previously, we only supported a couple clouds, um, and today we still have a couple native integrations with clouds, but the infrastructure abstraction layer allows you to run that infrastructure anywhere you want, right? Um, so like we have a couple of companies that are running Cycle inside their data centers right now. Um, and the infrastructure abstraction layer is one of the components that is making that happen. All right, so uh, so you can have a mix, you can have like uh, instances in your data center, you can have instances in uh, AWS, um, EC2, let's say, or even containers, uh, ECS, Fargate, stuff like that. Fargate, Lambda, do those things as well work? I mean, the cycle connect with serverless uh, um, infrastructure or services as well? 
No, so so cycle cycle whole premise is that it just wants commodity infrastructure, right? So it just wants raw compute. So in this case, if you connect with AWS, we're just going to run on top of ECTL. If you connect with yeah. GCP, we're just going to run you know virtual machines, right? Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't run cycle alongside those other applications. We have a number of companies that are running cycle inside of their their AWS VPC, where cycle is managing all the containers and EC2 instances and things like that. Um, and then these companies might be using um, you know, like Aurora database or, you know, things like that, um, you know, uh, running right alongside cycle. So we have a number of companies that are using AWS services outside of cycle. And for containers, where do the containers run? The containers will run on those EC2 instances. Okay. All right. All right. And yeah, give us a bit about, you know, how cycle just manages all of these varieties of instances, uh, you know, because it's quite a, I mean, quite a task. Even the cloud providers have individual services for different types of instances. And so, you know, having one management uh, layer for different types of instances seems like it would be a really complex thing. How, how does it happen? What happens under the hood? Uh, so the, the question you're asking is uh, with like, you know, if you want to use EC2, how there's many different types of EC2 instances? Yeah. So like the VMs, you know, in the data center, containers in the cloud, you know, the just so many different nuances to them, you know, and containers tend to be a lot more ephemeral, uh, especially, uh, you know, if it's like uh, short time span workloads or different kinds of workloads, especially, you know, how does uh, Cycle really manage all of the different variation with different inst instance types, different workload types? Uh, what's really going on under the hood? How, how does Cycle really manage uh, such variety? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, so much of it comes back down to the standardization that we just talked about, right? Like if when when Cycle starts on a server, its whole premise is by the time Cycle OS is fully up and running, my goal is that this server, you would not have any idea that the server is different from the one sitting next to it, right? Even if it's a different type. Cycles, Cycles puts a lot of effort into standardizing, right? Um, and then once you have that kind of standardized base, then it's really easy to implement workloads on top of it, regardless of what those workloads are doing, right? Like obviously if a workload requires a GPU because Cycle supports GPUs uh, just natively, if it if a, if you have a container that needs a GPU, obviously Cycle is going to figure out, you know, what servers you have that have GPUs and, and you know, allow you to choose from those, you know, for where those containers will, will live. Um, but so much of it just comes down to the standardization, right? If you, if, if you can standardize everything from the first second, everything turns on, uh, it makes a lot of other problems a lot less complex. And I think, you know, very similar to how this whole conversation started, um, you know, early, early on when we were talking about like, what's the benefit of standardization? Um, and why, why did I take this approach to simplicity? So much of that came down to just I guess, like I had already mentioned, you can't fix a broken machine by just adding more pieces to it, right? Sometimes you have to fix, sometimes you have to build a brand new machine. And so that's what we did with Cycle. Um, just by building that brand new machine, uh, problems that other products uh, are kind of having to fight through and deal with uh, are much less significant problems to us because we kind of went back and solved those fundamental issues early on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when we talk about like cloud instances, especially, you know, the uh, there are a lot of costs associated with the different instance types, for example. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, FinOps is like a whole new uh, concept of, you know, how do you reduce uh, cloud costs without compromising performance? 
Uh, on that front, you know, uh, the cycle optimize for cost as well. Uh, can you choose instance types to kind of reduce costs? Anything on on those on that front? Because especially during these times, I think a lot of people are thinking about that. Yeah. So cycle does not make any decisions about what infrastructure it deploys. That is okay. entirely up to our users, right? So our user can say, "Hey, I want five M five extra larges. I want three, you know, T three mediums or whatever." Right? Uh, users get to decide entirely what infrastructure they want, um, how many of them they want, and things like that. Uh, Cycle's job is just kind of behind the scenes to standardize and get it online, provisioned, configured, secured, etc. Right? Um, so because that, that's one of the things you can't really standardize. Um, I although I know some of companies are trying to do that. But um, when every company is different, you have to still at least allow some customizability. So no, we, we don't just do kind of blanket, you know, default some, you know, we don't, we don't default to a specific uh, server type, right? We let the companies uh, that are using Cycle uh, make those decisions. Okay, okay. Well, I was wondering if you could show us a quick demo of uh, Cycle in action. I saw this a while back and I'm just quite impressed with just how fast it was. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, great to see. Excellent. So this is Cycle's dashboard. Uh, I guess before we dive in, I want to, to let you know that we have a, a new portal. Uh, sorry, let me take a step back. This is a portal that has been live since 2018. This was the original portal that we built with Cycle. Um, it's obviously, you know, it. we've continued to add to it, but the, the overall UI has not changed significantly since 2018. Um, right. But we have a new portal that's been in development for uh, about six months now uh, that we're expecting to launch within the next uh, month and a half-ish uh, right. that will significantly modernize how our UI looks. So right. I'm really excited for that. But um, right. for the sake of the demo today, we'll still use the, the existing portal that is live today. Um, yes. as, you, as we dive in, very quickly, mm -hmm. this so this is a development account that we have up and running. You can see that there's four servers connected to this account. We have two servers running over at Vulture, one running over at AWS, and one running over at GCP. So right off the bat, uh, you know, very clear that Cycle can run infrastructure at different providers at the exact same time. Uh, you can mm -hmm. see all these servers are checking in. They're healthy. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, how um, Cycle makes sure that the servers are sorry, all these servers automatically get. All, all of these servers automatically get updates from Cycle. Um, this is that version number. So in this case, this is a yeah. build that was deployed uh, about, let's see, nine days ago. Um, and so with this, uh, if we want to click on any of these servers, we can, you know, uh, we can see just general metrics about any of these servers. So we can see, you know, load averages, RAM usage, storage usage, uh, you know, what type of CPU is in the server, uptime, you know, just any of this general information. Um, but where most of the heavy lifting is, uh, or occurs rather, happens within environments. So environments are where the actual containers and applications live. And so these environments can span any of the servers within a cluster. So in this case, you can see that all of these three environments are spread across the production cluster. And if I go back to infrastructure, we can see that the production cluster here has three servers, one at GCP, one at AWS, and one at Vulture. So that means that when I'm deploying uh, these environments and deploying containers into these environments, they can live at any of those three providers or maybe some at the same time, right? So if I go into this production environment here um, and I go into containers, we can see that, uh, for example, we have this website container that is running. 
Um, and again, this, this is just a test environment, but if I open that, that website container and go to instances, so we can see our five instances. In this case, we have one, two, three, four. We have four of them running at GCP and one of them running over at Vulture. Now, in this case, this was likely a test where someone was just scaling up and scaling down. If we wanted to scale up even more, we could say, hey, let's have seven of them. And again, obviously we're doing a manual scaling event right now just to, to show this, but you can see that Cycle decided, hey, we're gonna drop these new instances, one over on AWS and one over on Vulture. Um, and so if I want to, like, let's say, because we still have a number of these over that are running over at GCP, suppose I wanna take, you know, this instance over here and I want to move it over to, let's say AWS. So I can, mm -hmm. I can well, click migrate instance. I can move this over to AWS, move instance. And in a second, we'll see that AWS instance come online. We'll see that it's gone into a migrating status. And then the server will come online moment, or sorry, this container will come online momentarily. There we go. There's one. And then the other one should be coming online in just a second. I'm going to refresh because one of the issues with our old portal is that sometimes uh, mm -hmm. states are not aligned, but um, yeah. that'll come online in a second. Um, but at the very least, we we do have the other AWS instance that, that had started. So uh, we can connect to the console. We can see what's happening in here. Um, if we want to SSH into any of these containers, we can do that as well. Um, so like if we jump into you know, this first container that's running over at GCP, if we wanted to SSH into it, we can come up here, request SSH access, copy these credentials, paste these credentials in. And then we are now inside that container. And so it's actually really cool what's happening behind the scenes is if you notice this uh, this prompt that we used to log in, um, you know, we didn't specify a cycle server. We, we didn't specify what service was on. Uh, cycle automatically figured that out uh, depending on the instance ID. And so it just makes it really easy to, you know, if this instance was moved to a different server, very, you know, if this instance was moved to a different server, it's very easy to still SSH into it and you don't have to go and figure out what server it's running on, you know, log into that server, you know, run a, like a Docker execute or something, um, just figure out where things are running. Um, and then a, the other thing that you'll notice is that we didn't copy in a, any SSH keys. Uh, with Cycle, it makes it really easy to, you know, get connected to the resources you need to because you have these point-in-time tokens. And this token only exists in this case, you can see it'll expire in roughly 29 minutes. Um, if we wanted to expire it right now, it's as easy as doing that. And now it has been expired. And so then the, the um, even though we're still connected to it, to, uh, sorry, even though we are still connected to it right now, um, no one could use that token again. So it just makes it really easy to to log in and uh, like an interact with the containers you need to, um, but still being able to, from a high level, um, you know, see what's happening um, within these containers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to scaling, how does it work? Like, uh, are there policy? Can you set policies saying scale in a certain way? Uh, with, you know, can you set any of that, or is a lot of that just automated and abstracted for you? Yeah. So, um, so you can do that when you're creating a container. Uh, so if we go, we go ahead and click deploy container, give it a name. Let's just say this is a test. You can choose whether the container is stateless or stateful. Uh, whoops, sorry, I clicked the wrong button. We'll go back. 
Um, so we'll give it a name. You can choose whether it's stateless or stateful. Um, and then you have this deployment strategy. And so this is where you can say, hey, you know, I want I want Cycle to just decide, use the default, or you can say, I want Cycle to deploy to the avail the servers that are first available. I want to focus on high availability. Uh, I want to manually deploy, you know, pick where my instances are going to run. I want uh, to use this node deployment strategy. The node deployment strategy will put one instance per server um, and just automatically. So that way, if you scale up more infrastructure, all of those new servers will automatically get an instance of uh, this container, assuming other criteria are met. Um, or I can focus on resource density, which is like, hey, you know, if I have five servers, I want all of the resource users to be climbing at the same time. Um, and then one of the newest ones that we introduced was called Edge, where uh, if you upload a container and you say, I want to run 20 copies of this, it's like, we'll uh, try to run it as the, at the edge as much as you can, right? So if you are connected to GCP and AWS and Vulture, and let's say you have 30 servers up and running, um, by the, selecting Edge, Cycle is going to figure out how to deploy those to as most, the most, or sorry, the maximum number of geographic locations as possible. Um, so that way you have, you've, you've almost built your own edge network, uh, just with one option. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. And so once we choose an option there, you can, again, choose how many, if you want to restrict it. So you could say like, Hey, you know, cycles only going to run on, you know, servers that have a tag of rails, right? I can do that. Um, and then here's, you're choosing your image. So if I choose re recent images, these are images that have been just recently uploaded to cycle, um, or sorry, to, my, to this specific cycle account. Um, so I can, I can you know, choose any of those and then uh, actually let's go ahead and choose one. Let's see if I have my getting started image. I can choose whether uh, that container needs to be publicly accessible. If I click enabled, it's like we'll automatically configure the load balancer for me. Um, so there, it's not like after I do this, I have to go you know modify something else. Um, uh, so it just makes this entire process very smoothly or very smooth. And then um, by adding 443 uh, colon 80, we're telling Cycle that we also want to allow HTTPS traffic and um, route it to port 80 behind the scenes. Uh, so that way the load balancer is going to be configured for TLS termination. Um, and then also something I should mention is that behind the scenes, Cycle is building IPsec networks to connect everything. So that way all encryption between any Cycle server, even if they're at different providers, is fully encrypted. Um, and Cycle is automatically taking care of all that too. So if I go ahead and we're going to deploy two of these instances, there you go. And the deployment strategy that I left was just uh, the default strategy. So yeah, in this case, I'll put both of them on that same AWS server, which is fine. Um, obviously, the deployment strategy will will uh, is is much more impactful in terms of where those containers will be will, will live. Mm -hmm. Wow, really cool. Yeah, excellent. What, well, so in, yep. in terms of uh, integration, you know, uh, like uh, you know, like right now that you know, there's a lot of focus on kind of integrating different open source products for different purposes. Uh, when it comes to cycle, how much of uh, the things that you need to do, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the design decisions you made, how much of it have you packed into cycle versus how much of it have you uh, left open for you know uh, for you to integrate with another tool that may do that job better. Could you kind of give us some perspective on that? What's uh, what's in Cycle and what's what you could integrate with Cycle? Yeah, so Cycle is built to be a, a kind of a batteries included platform, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the one of the big differences between Cycle and many of these other offerings is that you should not need anything outside of Cycle to get up and running, but 
we know that that's not always going to be the case and that some people are going to want to use very specific tools for certain things, right? Um, and so uh, there's a number of API endpoints that we've opened. There's a number of configuration variables that you can change, webhooks that you can modify, uh, um, sockets that you can connect to, uh, to allow you to, you know, take the building blocks that Cycle provides and extend them into the ways that a, a specific company might need, right? Because like our goal is to, you know, introduce simplicity, but without compromising on capabilities, right? And so part of that not compromising capabilities is allowing users to open the doors that they may need um, if they're using things, if they want to use a specific technology that Cycle uh or sorry, a specific technology outside of Cycle. All right, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, yeah, thanks. This was really uh, good to see, uh, you know, and, and uh, I'm always amazed at how it can connect to different cloud platforms and even move instances across cloud platforms just so easily. I think that's really amazing, just really simplifies uh, things. So that's yeah. awesome, great job with just uh, designing all of this. Thank you. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really neat things Cycle does. Uh, obviously, this is just you know this is kind of just the very high level uh, overview of it. Um, but you know, from from networking to pipelines to image storage to DNS um, to unmarked TLS termination and certificates and things like that. Like there's a, there's a whole slew of the things that the platform does. Um, but um, uh, if we were to dive into all of those things, we'd be on this call for a long time. Yeah, take, yeah, take a long time. But yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, thanks a lot for that uh, demo. Uh, yeah, so winding down, I want to ask about just the use cases that Cycle is meant for. I saw on your website that you know you, uh, you have a couple of different uh, use cases that you call out, one of them being SaaS and PaaS, and one of them being even gaming. Uh, could you tell us about some of those use cases? Yeah, so the thing that we found the cycle really, really fits into there's so as you mentioned, there's there's venture studios, there's SaaS Pass, and then there's gaming. And so gaming is the newest one to us. We've recently started having some really good conversations with gaming companies, uh, and we kind of just stumbled into this kind of situation where like, wow, we do provide a lot of value for gaming companies that you know maybe they need low latency, maybe they need to operate at the edge, maybe they. Uh, need to be able to scale up and down very quickly. Maybe they need to have higher density of infrastructure. Maybe they need to be able to push out updates quickly and and you know have their infrastructure automatically adjust to that and things like that. So there's a lot of things that we've done with 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 you know the benefits that we we help with uh, sorry use cases around gaming that we we help simplify. Um, but the other two, uh, Venture Studios, is something that we've been working on for many many years. And uh, Venture Studios, it's, you know. Yes, a lot of the same benefits as uh, gaming, but the big kind of component for Venture Studios is if I'm a company that's building products for other companies and each of these companies has their own set of infrastructure, their own set of tools, how can I, the Venture Studio, make it super easy for my team to jump between Project A, Project B, Project C without my team having to learn all these new technologies constantly, right? Um, and that's where Cycle's been hugely beneficial to these Venture Studios is it's one tool that allows them to still provide flexibility to their customers, but all of their engineers have to only learn to work one way. And then because of that entire kind of standardization of processes even, you end up in a position where you can have a developer that's working on project A move over to project B. And even if they've never seen project B before, just because of cycle, they already can, can they can already uh 
just instinctively see how everything is built and how it's structured. Um, so it's really nice just being able to have these companies that are moving really quickly because uh, their developers can just move from project to project and uh, not have to reinvent the wheel. And then finally, the, the, the third uh, vertical that we that you had mentioned was uh, pass and SaaS. And yeah, um, it's something that, you know, one of the things that brings me the most joy is the fact that we have platforms that are building, sorry, Cycle has platforms being on, on Cycle has platforms being built on top of it. Um, so it's really neat to be a, a platform and have other platforms built on top of you. It shows that you've built something of substance, right? Any, any examples that you could share at all? Yeah. So one of our, one of our companies is uh, one of our, one of our customers has built a platform uh, that is uh, like a workload processing service for, you know, with, with, you know, that has like an, an, sorry, it's a workload processing service that has an AI component to it. Right. Um, so if you think about like Lambda, right. Think, think about, uh, you know, like a very fast performance Lambda, uh, you know, that has access to GPUs and things like that. Um, uh, they, they've built that entire platform on top of Cycle. So it's really neat to see that their customers are, you know, technically using Cycle behind the scenes and they don't even know it. Um, so it just shows that companies can build, you know, some really powerful offerings on top of, on top of Cycle. Really cool. Uh, what kind of companies do you, or when do you see uh, companies that come to you, uh, you know, that they're ready for something like Cycle? Uh, mostly do you find that these are companies that have tried and struggle with Kubernetes or are these companies that uh, have hardly just gotten started and are kind of, they don't want to go through the whole process? Where are they at in their journey in the cloud? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's some of both, right? Like we have a lot of companies that are coming to cycle with greenfield projects where they're saying, hey, we might be using Kubernetes for this other project within our company, but it's been such a headache that we want to try cycle for this other project, right? So sometimes it's that where it's, where it's hey, they've tried it. Uh, sorry, they've tried Kubernetes, but they want to try cycle for something else. Other times it's companies saying, hey, how can we how can we move away from Kubernetes to cycle? And then, yeah, we also have companies that are coming to cycle saying, hey, we're, uh, we're building a brand new product, uh, we haven't ever used Kubernetes, but we've read enough about it that we 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 think it's just overly complex for what we need, and so that's where uh you know the we again some of all of the above is the right answer to that. How does pricing work? Um, so uh, I was going to share my screen again, but then I forgot that we had already turned it off. But um, with uh, pricing, all right. So the pricing page. Yeah, so uh, so this is our pricing page, um, and you know you can see we have a couple different tiers here. We have our free tier, light tier, business tier, and enterprise. Um, the biggest metric that Cycles pricing is based off of is how many users are you going to uh, have within your account, and how many uh, servers are you going to have deployed, right? And like and, you know, with the light tier, yeah, you can deploy more than three. It's just we have a, a cost per each seat over those three. Uh, the bigger thing is that as you, uh, you know, as your company grows, moving into the business tier or, and then eventually into the enterprise tier is volume discounts, right? So if a company has, you know, 1200 engineers, um, the business tier is, you know, not, not, not the most cost effective for them. In that case, it's better off for them going to the enterprise tier uh, where we can do custom contracts and things like that. But yeah, very high level. Uh, the main metrics for our pricing is how many users and how many servers? Um, because you own the servers, you can drop as many containers on them as you want. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter, right? It's your infrastructure. Um, and so we don't charge for storage. We don't charge for uh, number of containers. We don't charge for a number of environments or networks or anything like that. It's all how many servers and how many users. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Last question for you, Jake, uh, is just, uh, could you share with us some of the early results that your customers see once they start using Cycle? Because it's quite a switch. And what are some of the differences and the benefits that uh, your customers see? Uh, yeah, I mean, so different customers are coming to Cycle for different problems is what we've learned, right? Some companies are looking at Cycle as kind of I alluded to earlier, mainly for the infrastructure management component of it, right? Um, and then we have others that are like, hey, I'm building applications. I, you know, the container orchestration side of this is really, really important to me. Uh, but the biggest thing that we see is kind of the, just a general kind of overall benefit of using Cycle is just the fact that it allows companies to spend more time focusing on the things that are really important to them. In this case, or in many cases, it's writing code, right? Um, you know, I, 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 there are too many solutions out there today where developers end up spending more time almost maintaining than actually building. And I mean, and it's so unfortunate because you have people who, you know, the, the reason they got became a developer is because they have that really big passion to just build. Um, and then when they're stuck spending half their time or a quarter of their time just you know, maintaining an existing deployment is just not a good use of their time. Um, and then even DevOps engineers, right? Uh, there's DevOps engineers that come to Cycle and, you know, for a long time, they've had to be, you know, deeply involved in some of these mundane processes that are just a bad use of their time. Um, and so with Cycle, it can allow them to get some of that time back to spend more time figuring out how to automate even further and, you know, get more efficient with business objectives and things like that, as opposed to, you know, oh, is my Kubernetes cluster up to date? Or, you know, is is everything running? Is something offline? And you know, things like that. Like, there's just all these kind of distractions that appear. And so Cycle is really, really good at limiting distractions, I, I guess is maybe the easiest way of putting it. Oh, that's really neat. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. You know, just in all you and even getting into the details of just how Cycle works and the things that you can do with Cycle, I think it was really a great uh, conversation. Uh, so for our viewers, you know, if you'd like to uh, check out more about Cycle, definitely head to their website, cycle.io, uh, and check it out. Uh, I think there's definitely a bit of nostalgia to this product. You know, it's kind of like going back to the days when, you know, uh, things were simpler. Uh, kind of like the Heroku days, if uh, you know some some of you remember running a simple app on Heroku and kind of the simplicity of that. There's a bit of nostalgia about Cycle that you know comes to my mind. So, a really cool product, and uh, thanks Jake for just uh, giving us a really cool overview about really good overview about it as well. Uh, yeah, Jake, before you, so, uh, I was yeah, going to say th thanks for having me on the podcast. It was it was it's been a great time. Yeah, sure. You know, before you go, there are a couple of questions to get to know you a bit. Uh, I want to ask uh, your alternate career path, if not for your job in tech. Uh, if I didn't have a career in tech, um, you know, I think I would be a meteorologist um, okay. or uh, either a meteorologist or a lawyer. Um, you know, both of those have always been something that have been really interesting to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, could you talk about a product or tool that you think is very elegantly built? Ooh, a uh, tool that is built uh, really elegantly. Um, hmm. I, I, I have not put much thought into that. Um, I mean, it's going to sound nerdy, and, and I know it's kind of trendy right now. Um, I, I won't say I won't say Chat GPT, but I will say OpenAI's approach to their plugin model. Um, uh, it is a very neat, flexible model that, um, that 
you know, kind of similar to like how we built Cycles IEL, it makes it really easy to piece, uh, you know, to kind of piece other plugins together um, in a way that uh, is is actually very, very simple. Um, so, so we'll go with that answer for now. Uh, yeah, I should check out. I've been hearing about the plugins. I want to check them out myself. Yeah, really cool. Um, could you uh, share one lesson that you've learned as a CEO, founder, something that uh, you applied, maybe something from the past year or any lesson that, that you learned and applied? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, if you spend any time on LinkedIn, you always hear all these like, oh, you know, 10 steps to success, you know, ten, you know, like, you know, the, there's everyone's always trying to come up with easy ways to like solve problems, but the deep fundamental problems you can't just solve with a quick how-to guide, right? Um, and I worry that we're moving into a position where we don't have enough actual architects solving deep problems and everyone's just trying to figure out how to build the next, you know, product to get a vanity metric across the finish line right um and you know i i i uh, i i guess so the lesson here is just um there's hard problems don't always have an easy answer um but you have to be up for the challenge for it and so that's something that i pride myself on mm -hmm. yeah kind of ties into what we we're talking about earlier at the start just uh simplest simplifying complex things doing it. Uh, the next question, uh, you know, so you obviously wear multiple hats uh, in your role as founder, CEO, you know, developer, product guy, uh, business leader, marketer, uh, teacher, perhaps, you know, trainer. And so which which of these roles really resonates with you? Oh, um, You know, at, at, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, being a developer is very core to who I am. And even though most of the day is spent managing, um, you know, whether it's marketing stuff, sales stuff, development stuff, project management, legal, HR, any of those things, uh, there's always something at the end of the day of being able to get back in the code that I really deeply enjoy. Um, and so uh, I'd probably have to say, I'd probably have to say the, the developer component of it. I'm a builder at heart. All right, all right. Yeah, good to know. Uh, your last question, Jake. What's your favorite source for finding out what's new and happening in tech? Um, it would be a toss-up between either Reddit or LinkedIn. Uh, those are where I spend most of my time. Um, I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I like kind of the aggregation data where you kind of once you've you know, the, the interest things will kind of bubble to the top and then you can get into dive deeper from there. So, uh, that, that's, that's usually where it starts. And then I'll end up, you know, on, you know, five links deep into, you know, some, some weird article about, you know, how something works, but, uh, most of the time it starts on LinkedIn or, or Reddit. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. I think, uh, it'd be great to have you back once your new UI is launched and even to get into some more of those features that we couldn't talk about today, things like pipelines and, you know, the other things that Cycle does. It'll be great to have you back after a couple of months or so. Uh, Sounds good. So, yeah. Thanks again for joining us and, uh, everyone, if you're really excited about what you heard, go and check out cycle.io and join us again for our next episode. Thank you all. Uh, that's it for now. Signing off. Bye-bye. Thank you.